so real. That future. That us. And you got fired. Wait a minute, what do you mean I got fired? Hilldale. Hilldale, this is where we live. I, I mean, this, this, is where, this is where we're gonna live. Someday. <laughs> Marty, it was a dream, wasn't it? She can do. Next green line. No thanks. What's the matter? Chicken? <laughs> Marty, don't. Grab a hold of something. Come on, Get on. <laughs> All right. Well, it is so good to be with all of you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy, and I am one of the pastors here at Joy, and specifically, I have the privilege of overseeing the student ministry here. Could I get Angela's mic? Very much. So I'd like to take a moment to welcome those of you who are joining us online and say thank you to all of you who are joining us live right here in St. Cloud. I was just a boy when Back to the Future 3 came out. And for those of you keeping track, that was in the year 1990. So I remember watching the movie for the first time at the edge of my seat, just wondering what choice Marty was going to make. You see, Marty had a problem all throughout the Back to the Future series, and it is not being stuck in the past and then being stuck in an alternate future and then being stuck back in the Old West. Marty's problem was that anytime someone called him a chicken, he would lose all wisdom and sensibility. It's like he did not know how he should respond or how his parents taught him or how student ministry told him how to respond. He went crazy, doing things that you're not supposed to do, just trying to prove that he wasn't a chicken. So we're at the end of the series. This is one of the final scenes in Back to the Future 3, and here we go again. He's called a chicken. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, Marty, no, make the right choice. You can do it. And then all of a sudden, instead of racing Needles, who is his nemesis, he throws the vehicle in reverse, which you probably shouldn't do. He avoids the race, avoids hitting the Rolls Royce, which is definitely not a good idea, for those of you keeping track. And he secures the future that is before him and his girlfriend, who will soon be his wife. Making the right decision is sometimes very difficult. Making the right choice is sometimes easier to decide for someone else than it is for yourself. A few years ago, I was sitting at a stoplight 
And Angela was not with me at the time. I actually had a good friend who was sitting next to me. And we're sitting there just talking, hanging out. And all of a sudden, three wannabe Fast and Furious cars come up in the three lanes to the left of us. And I'm like, oh, look at them. And all of a sudden, they start revving their engines a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, come on. Now, you kind of know what that means, right? They want to race. Look at a neighbor and say they want to race. Now, I really don't know what the cars were. I don't remember the color of the cars at all because at that moment in time, I was driving a Ferrari, a 458 Italia to be exact. This car is 560 horsepower, a maximum speed of 202 miles an hour, and goes 0 to 60 in just over three seconds. It did not matter who was sitting next to me because we were going to destroy them. So they don't know that. They should have known that, but they're like revving their cars. And I decided, you know what, maybe I'm going to kind of jump in this moment of fun a little bit. So I step on the gas pedal just a little bit and go, and then I think, okay, I'll do it again, just a little. And you can hear it even at that level, but I decided to push it a little bit more and did, and then I decided to kind of go all the way to the red line and just to let them know who they are messing with. It's like a lion goes, don't mess with me. And then if you keep messing, the lion's going to, and then eventually you get eaten. So you have, you have to pay attention to what is happening. These guys didn't, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, they didn't, they didn't go to student ministry either. So all of a sudden, the light turns green and we are off. Now, I want to let you know, Ferrari actually has a special system put in place for these moments called launch control. Because you don't want your quarter of a million dollar car losing to a Ford Focus, all right? So, launch control, you turn a knob, press a button, and all you have to do is hold the steering wheel and step on the gas as hard as you can, and the car does all of the work. So... The light turns green and we are off. Have I told you it's sometimes difficult to make the right choice? Now, sometimes you are probably there yourself and you're thinking, man, I would really like to make the right choice, but sometimes I make the wrong one. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2, it says, a wise person chooses the right road, a fool takes the wrong one. Now, the right road we don't choose by default. It is not something that we just wake up one day and we're like, oh, you know, I, I'm just going to accidentally choose the right path for my life. That does not happen. By default, because of humanity and just who we are, we actually tend to choose the wrong path. So choosing the correct or right path takes a lot of intentionality, a lot of purpose, and sometimes a lot of instruction from other people that we need to receive and then apply to our own life so we can actually move forward in the plans that God has for us. You can have the right intention, but like Pastor Brian has said, the right intention is not going to get you to the place you want to go. You actually have to make the right choices in order to get there. Now, sometimes when we are faced with 
a challenge, a choice that we have to make. We go to a little thing called Google. Has anyone ever gone to Google before? All right. Many of you are lying. You just don't want to know. So we go to Google, and I looked up Google, and it was like, how do you make the right choice? And here are some of the options that came up in front of me. Number one was always start with the end in mind. I kind of like this idea. We tend to, many times in our life, overthink the small things. But when it comes to the big things in life, we rush into them, and then later we realize, oh, I should have never done that. And we get to that place because we didn't look at the end before we started. Now, we will hee and haw about having the extra piece of cake. Before you ever leave the couch, you'll be like, oh, should I or not? Should I or not? I really want to, but what's the family going to think? They're not going to care. It's like, oh, maybe I should. So then you get up. You go into the kitchen. You know right where the cake is, but you go, no, no, no. You look in the fridge to see if there's something healthier. And there isn't anything really healthier in there. So you close the fridge. And then you go to the pantry. Maybe there's something in the pantry. No, there's not. And then you go back to the fridge thinking something would magically appear that was not there 10 minutes ago. And you're standing there in the kitchen. Oh, I just want the cake, but I don't want the cake. If you spent as much time caring about the big things in life, the big choices you have, as opposed to the little piece of cake, we'd all do ourselves a huge favor a huge favor so here's the idea life is short eat the cake eat the cake and then just move on from there another thought is to simplify your choices we have this thought process especially in America that the more choices we have the better off we are we are wrong we are wrong McDonald's, whenever they uh, take off things on the menu and they do not ask our permission for this, they just say we're taking off 16 items, 8 items, whatever it is, their head people actually say in articles written about this that it's actually better for us and the consumer to eliminate options or choices. We're actually helping people. Chick-fil-A generally rated the number one restaurant, fast food restaurant in America in my understanding, has one of the smallest menus possible. And yet, they're frequently rated the number one fast food restaurant in America. Why? Because more choices is not always the best. So simplify your options, and you can help yourself make a choice. One of them is seek advice. You have to be careful on who you seek advice from. We can have a tendency to go to the people that we know will agree with us. Those aren't the people you should go to. You need to go to people that will openly tell you, no, that's a bad idea. And those are the people you should hold closely to. We always tell our students or, or our children, you know, don't play the parent game where you go to one parent, ask them if you can, they say no, and then you just go to the other parent. How many of you have ever done that as a kid? Okay, and how many of you have had your own child do that? Yes, and we tell them all the time to not play those games, and yet even as adults, we play those games. We go to the people we think will agree with us. If you're going to seek advice, you got to go to the right people. There was one place in Google that said, look for the answers in your dreams. I thought to myself, who said that? So again... 
Be careful where you look for advice. And then one of them is notice when it hurts. The idea of this person that said this, if it hurts more to stay than it is to leave, then maybe you should take a leap of faith. If it hurts more to stay, then maybe you should go and take a leap of faith. I thought that's really interesting. And again, you could, could apply to some circumstances, but maybe not all of them. Here's the thing. Google is really helpful when we are trying to pick out a certain pair of socks or we're trying to figure out what color rose we should bring for a certain occasion. And fellas, bringing a yellow rose isn't always the best idea, okay? So look it up on Google. But there are more important choices that come to our life that we need to know where to go for help and then how to put some action towards living out those choices. Because we don't always choose what type of cake. Sometimes it's a matter of life and death. Moses was speaking to the people of Israel. And this is what Moses had to say. He said, today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So Moses is talking to the people of Israel, and he's saying, look, you have two choices, two options. You can choose life or you can choose death. And he goes, oh, oh, please choose life. Now, if we were to be asked this similar question, most of us, hopefully, if, if, if not, you got to get something checked out, we would choose life. We would say, we want life. But here's the thing. Having that life is not just a momentary decision that you make one time and all of a sudden you have the life that God has prepared for you. You have to continue to make choices along that line to experience the life that God has for you, that God has planned for you. You have to continue to make those choices. So Moses, standing before Israel, says, you have a choice between life and death. Oh, that you would choose life. He then goes on to say, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Many of us have chosen to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives. And as a result, you have chosen life over death. But the decision making isn't done there. The decision making isn't done there. If you can just simply say, oh Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And then it's just all done and you can live whatever way you want. I believe you are mistaken in that thinking. Is Jesus' grace large enough to cover everything we've done before we made him Lord and Savior and everything we do after we've made him Lord and Savior? Absolutely. But it still comes down to your heart. It still comes down to your heart. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Yes? Then act like it. So Moses goes on to say, the key to experiencing this life is by loving the Lord your God. Do you know it's possible to follow God and not love him? You can follow some of the things he might say. You can follow some of the principles, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you love him. I want you to think about this for a moment. 
at the end of Jesus' time here on earth, he has a kind of a one-on-one talk with Peter. And at that point, Peter had already denied Jesus. Jesus died and was resurrected, and they're having a moment. And what does Jesus ask Peter? Do you what? Do you remember? Do you love me? He didn't ask Peter that earlier. They weren't just walking to a, a town along the shores of Galilee. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter followed Jesus for three and a half years faithfully. But then there comes a point where you need to activate the part of your life called love if you want to continue to follow after God. You need to love him. Then Moses tells the people and by extension tells us you need to obey him. Oh, here's here's a crazy thing. Can you love someone and not obey them? Absolutely yes. You were at one point a teenager, or you are a teenager, and you loved your parents so very much. That doesn't mean you obeyed them all the time. It doesn't mean you listened to them all the time. It doesn't mean that when they asked you to do something, you got up and left everything and did it right away. No, this obedience thing is tough, but oh, you love them. Pastor Brian has said often that there will come a point where what you want for you and what God wants for you will be different. And at that time, you get to choose who it is you're going to obey. And your love for God is what's going to give you the power to obey him, even if everything within you says no, because you think it's too hard. Because you think it's too tough. And then Moses says you need to be then fully committed to him. What does that mean? You give him all of you. Give them all to you. You give, sorry, all of you to him. You say, Lord, here I am. I followed you. I love you. I listen to you. I obey you. Now I'm ready to commit my whole entire self to you. And when we go through that process, we begin to live the life that God has for us. Where in the choice of life and death, you've fully chosen life and you've put action towards it. I got one final story. So we're sitting at the stoplight, revving up the cars, everyone's in line, the light turns green. Before we get out of the intersection, the guys in the three cars next to us are already cursing at us. They're already yelling obscenities at us. Now, why is that? It's not because I left them in the dust. It's because I turned my blinker on and turned right. Now, my friend sitting next to me goes, I didn't see that coming. He goes, if I was driving, that would have went different. And I said, it's probably a good thing I was driving then. It was a fun moment. So why do I share this story with you today? Because throughout life, we will come up time and time again to intersections that we need to make a choice. And sometimes that choice is between life and death. And other times that choice is between activating launch control or turning on your blinker. But every choice is important. Because every choice leads to another choice. Even whether you eat the cake or not, 
can sometimes be a very important thing to you. Every single choice matters. And God created the opportunity for you and I to have a choice so that we could choose him. There's some of you here today that maybe you haven't decided, you haven't chose to make Jesus your Lord and Savior yet. Today is your day. You are at that intersection. There's others of you that maybe you've been following God, but man, you sure don't love him yet. Today, that choice is for you. You're there in that intersection. There's others of you, you love God, but you haven't gotten to the point of obeying him yet. Oh, I see the words in black and white. I hear God speaking to me in here or in here, but I'm still doing things my way. Take the leap and start obeying. There's others of you, you just need to fully commit. Everyone has a choice to make. We can always love God more. We can obey him in ways that we haven't yet. And we can more fully commit ourselves to him. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're here today and you'd say, Tommy, I'm at an intersection and I need to choose between life and death and I haven't chosen to make Jesus my Lord and Savior yet, but I'm understanding, starting to understand that I need to be sure and I need to make sure that I'm living for him and making him the Lord and Savior of my life. I invite you to do that today. In just a moment, I will lead you in a prayer and you can pray along with me in that prayer and you can begin that life change. There's others of you. It's about love. It's about obedience and about committing. And I believe God has already placed on your heart the area that you can grow. And you can choose today to start making that decision. For those of you that need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior, I just ask you to repeat the prayer after me. You can do it to yourself, do it out loud. But Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you came to this earth to show us a better way to live. And you didn't only do that. You paid the penalty for all of the mistakes and all of the wrongs that I have done so that I can be right with God. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of my past, forgive me of my sins, and help me to make you Lord and Savior so that I can live a bigger, better, brighter future. Lord, there's those of us here that need to fall in love with you we need to come to the place where we obey you and we commit ourselves fully to you. God, I thank you for the steps that you've laid out in front of each and every one of us that we can take. And I pray, Lord, that we would be so bold to do that in your glorious and holy name. Amen. If you could please stand with me and repeat after me. We are a family church teaching people to reach their world.